Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Amy Taylor Cabaz studies the profound new concept, matrescence, that has been researched by Columbia University and covered by psychologists worldwide. She truly believes that we should support mothers so they understand the transition between lives when becoming a mom. After more than a decade covering breaking news and current affairs for the ABC around her home country of Australia, her traditional career took an unexpected turn when she found herself lost, overwhelmed, and diagnosed with a thyroid condition after the birth of her first daughter. She is now the author of the best-selling Happy Mama, The Guide to Find Yourself, the host of the Happy Mama Movement podcast, runs numerous online programs for mothers all over the world, is an international award-winning coach, your creator of the number one iTunes meditations for children, Bedtime Explorers, and is currently working on her next two books to be published by Hay House International. Amy takes us through her journey from self to mother, and then the work born from the struggle to find identity within her new role. We talk about society's expectations of womanhood and motherhood, and the perceived failures if your birth story or identity doesn't fall in line with those notions. She encourages us to lean into our transition so as not to become overwhelmed or burnt out trying to fit into a box that isn't meant for us. Let's dig in. I am so thrilled to have on with me today, Amy Taylor Kebaz. Thank you so much for joining me. I loved being on your podcast and I'm so honored that you're willing to be on mine. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honor. I love it. So you and I connected just immediately because we both believe in raising strong and empowered girls. And we talk a lot about um, motherhood and, and our purpose in kind of bringing up this generation of beautiful girls. And there's a concept that you talk about on your podcast and with your clients that I don't, I've never heard of before. And I love it. And it's a new word and a new study. Um, matrescence and I, I want you to dig into that with me and my listeners and it's the the journey of becoming a mother and I know that for me that was it was a I think I feel like I got jumped into a gang <laughs> it wasn't like an easy calm process um and so like the idea that now there's people who are studying this process I think is really beautiful so could you kind of walk me through what it means to you Absolutely. Yes, it is. It's like a gang that you didn't know you were becoming a member of, isn't right. it? Yes. <laughs> um, I think the best way to describe it is to describe how I found the word and what it meant for me. Um, my eldest child is 11, so I became a mama just over a decade ago. And when that happened, I was so ill-prepared for what was going to happen to me. I am a journalist. I worked for the ABC here in Australia for many, many years. And so when motherhood began for me, I approached it like any good journalist. And I had all the books about how to raise a child and how to wrap a baby and how to feed and how to do all of those things. And yet 
I was completely ill-prepared for what was the reality of this baby. She was a very um, unhappy baby at birth and it really, really was a tough beginning for the both of us. And in that process, it really broke me. I, I was very, very overwhelmed and unsure of what was happening. And up until that point, I'd been very similar to women of our generation. I had been someone who did what they decided they'd put their mind to. I wanted to be a journalist, I became a journalist. I wanted to be an independent woman traveling the world, I did that. Up until that point of motherhood, everything I'd put my mind to, I'd been able to succeed at. I had that very masculine energy about me, which is very common of that generation of women because we were told when we were growing up that we could be anything we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we had to be. We were almost encouraged to break through that glass ceiling, weren't we? And we really were told that we had this capacity to do whatever we wanted. And when motherhood didn't go like that, it really cracked something open in me. But this was just over a decade ago. And so back then, sounds like it wasn't that long ago but in terms of the internet back then it was very different you know I wasn't on Facebook we didn't have that real sense of community conversation going on and in the middle of the night I'd be up and I'd be trying to understand oh my gosh what's happened to me and I'm not sure how I feel about this whole motherhood gig and <laughs> What happens to my dreams? I wanted to be a foreign correspondent and I had this assumption that I'd still be able to follow those dreams. And really, there was this split within me, which I understand now is what matrescence is. But at the time, I was so lost. It was like I became two. I wanted to be that person I used to be. I wanted to go and pursue those dreams I always had. I wanted to be the foreign correspondent like I'd all. I'd always imagined I'd be and yet I also wanted to give it all up and just stay at home and protect this little baby that was unwell and not happy and just be this mother that I really really wanted to be and I had no idea how to be both and so I began this journey which I had no idea would lead me here but I began this experience of trying to understand what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother why do we feel this way and what happens to our dreams and how does this affect our sense of self? But really, there were no answers. And I, I started a blog and I did a few things just trying to answer this as I went along. But I returned to my normal life. I went back to the ABC. I had a second baby. And then uh, about six years later, I had a surprise third pregnancy. And it was in this pregnancy that this whole uh, realization came about that this struggle between who I used to be and the mother was not working for me. I was 28 weeks pregnant with my third baby and went into early labor because I was so addicted to being superwoman. I was so attached to this idea that I could still be everything. I had this very uh, strong drive that I wanted to still be a very successful journalist and be this amazing mum at home. I would wake up at 3.30 every morning, five days a week, to go to the ABC to be the senior producer for the breakfast program. So I would never see my two daughters wake up in the morning. I was gone but while they were still asleep. 
I'd work all morning, you know, literally making phone calls to the Prime Minister, very high-end job, until just after lunchtime. Then I'd come home and I'd go to a yoga class because that's what a good girl did. That's what a good, balanced, successful woman did. Pick up my kids from daycare and rush through the evening so I could finally put them to bed so I could get some sleep too. Mm. And it was this crazy treadmill I was on until 28 weeks pregnant when I went into early labour with my son. And when I was in hospital and the specialists were saying to me, this is really bad, he's far too small, we're very worried he won't survive, they were really, really clear with me. They said, this is because of your lifestyle. There is no medical reason why this baby is trying to be born too early. It's because of what you're doing. And it was this huge wake-up call. Luckily, Western medicine, thank goodness, managed to stop the labour. I was in hospital for five days trying to keep him inside. And uh, it was during those five days that I sat on that hospital bed and really began to ask the question that I'd asked all those years years earlier when I'd had my first baby. What is happening here? Why can't I slow down? Why do I find this so hard to be able to balance me and motherhood? Mm -hmm. And I had to spend 10 weeks at home. If I walked up the street to go to the shops, labour would start. Mm. So I was completely couch-ridden for 10 weeks trying to keep him in, which we managed to do, which is amazing. And in those 10 weeks, I completely changed my life. I started to study meditation. I started to look at this process of what happens to a woman. I dived in with the usual journalist (laughs) Uh, focus. I dived into all of these areas and that's when I began to really commit to understanding this. Uh, He's now five, so that was uh, about five years ago. But it wasn't until last year when I was driving around listening to a podcast, as we do, and I heard this one word, matrescence, that it, it finally made sense to me what I've been trying to understand for the last decade. Matrescence is a term that was coined in the 1970s by a phenomenal anthropologist by the name of Dana Raphael. She was also obsessed with looking at what happens to a woman as she becomes a mother. And up until now, we've always been focused on the act of mothering or what happens to the child. And she was the first one who really said, hang on, what about this woman? What what, what happens to her in this process? And she... Uh, came up with the term doula. Many of your listeners would know doula. Mm -hmm. She was the one who said there needs to be someone in the room who's advocating for the woman. Let's call her a doula and let's put her in there and make sure the woman's looked after. And at the same time as coming up with that idea, she came up with this idea of matrescence. And matrescence is the transformation a woman goes through as she becomes and continues to be a mother. And like adolescence, Adolescence is the transformation from a child to an adult Mm -hmm. and affects every area of your life. And no matter who you are in the world, you will go through adolescence. It just depends on the amount of support and awareness you'll have of how easy and smooth that will be. Matrescence is also something every woman will go through if she becomes a mother. But it depends on how we support her and the understanding we put around her and how she moves through that 
And what I now understand is, is those struggles that I had of who am I and that identity and that struggle of balancing who I used to be and who I want to be as a mum is the core of what matrescence is. It's this change in identity. It is who am I now and how do I do this? And if we don't have that conversation, women do what I did, which is you just try and be it all. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand what's happening, you just try and be superwoman. And so that is what I now do every day with women around the world is talk about this and help us all see that we have to change the conversation around what it means to be a mum and a woman so we don't burn out and get sick and yell at our kids and lose ourselves in this whole process. Well, and I think it's fascinating because I remember after having my daughter, so my my daughter came to me, it took five rounds of IVF to, to get my daughter. <laughs> so she did not come to me easy. And then once I had her... Um, she was perfect. I was miserable during my pregnancy. She was absolutely perfect. She was a big baby. She was healthy as could be um, with colic of the demonic variety. And Mm. I was so, I I now recognize that I suffered from some form of baby blues or postpartum depression um, because I had kind of tried to be strong, this warrior who was able to do anything, close any deal, show up at any boardroom, um, host any party and then I couldn't get pregnant so my body had failed me right so the one Mm -hmm. thing that I wanted to control I could not control and then I have this baby and I have these visions of the way it's going to be and how I'm going to spend my maternity leave with her in adorable clothing and we're going to be going to mommy and me classes and instead I spent them um, with vomit all over me um, with a very unhappy child and so shortly after that my marriage started to fail And I remember one time, because Facebook was, you know, I was on Facebook, and I remember everyone's posting pictures of their kids and how happy they are. And I I was posting pictures, but I wasn't really saying anything and wondering, like, is it okay for me to say, when will the crying stop? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When does the crying stop? And feeling guilty that there was a period of time where I'm like, I can't be a stay-at-home mom because I I am losing who I am. And I think... There was such shame around it. I was embarrassed that I was sad. And I was, I remember my ex husband coming into the nursery one night and I was holding her and it had been a particularly rough day. And I'd finally gotten her to sleep and I was just sitting there with tears streaming down my face. And then it was like, you know, this, he hadn't done any research to understand what I was dealing with. So in his mind, he's like, what, what, what's going on with you? Why are you crying? You have a baby. We have a healthy baby. Why are you, I don't understand why you're crying. Um, and I didn't understand, and I felt like I didn't have anything to talk about for a long time. Like, I, I, I didn't have any identity other than mom and barely keeping it together. Exactly. Oh, there's so many things I wanted to pull out from what you just said, because this is exactly what I hear from thousands of mums around the world. First of all, you were so successful. You'd been able to close deals, and there was this sense of identity of who you were. And then when you couldn't fall pregnant, you needed IVF, there's that failure feeling. And in my research and understanding, because I now, this is what I'm now studying through this pioneering, pioneering woman at Columbia University in New York, I'm working one-on-one with on how to improve and understand our teachings around matrescence. When we feel like we failed either in falling pregnant we couldn't breastfeed, Mm. we had to have a cesarean, our baby doesn't sleep, 
our baby doesn't talk um, at the same time as other children, any of those things, we internalize it and think it's our fault because we have these ridiculous expectations and stories and social media that tell women it needs to look a certain way and if it doesn't, there's something wrong with you. Mm. And this is what I think matrescence is such a phenomenal opportunity for us as women to question these stories that we have, to question what it means to be a woman and a good mother and a wife and am I allowed to go back to work? Does that make me a bad mother? Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to not want to breastfeed? Does that make me a bad mother? All of these questions that we have have to be questioned but because we are so silent about this, because we just... We don't hold this space for women and say, you are becoming something new. You know, it it makes me emotional when I think about what should be happening. We should have these circles of elders gather around a woman when she's trying to fall pregnant or fall pregnant and talk to her about what's coming. Mm. Talk to her about the grief she's going to feel about losing her old self the questions that she's going to ask that she will feel ashamed of but are normal and celebrate what's coming. You are going to go through some of the hardest times you have ever been through, but oh my goodness, on the other side of it is this woman who will rise up, who will be stronger than she's ever known is possible. But hang on, it's going to get bumpy. (laughs) Imagine, Imagine if that's what we said. I think it would be pitiful. I felt so unprepared. Like I said, I felt like I was jumped into a gang because even the books that you read, right, that tell you what's going to happen or your doctor's appointment are very factual. But there were things that happened to my body and my emotions and that I was like, I wasn't prepared for. And I remember um, when one of my girlfriends was pregnant right after me, literally being like, I'm going to come over and I'm going to bring you things that you're going to need. Like, not Mm -hmm. the cute stuff that people register for, but, like, the serious stuff because your body's about to go through some hell. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to tell you about the good and the bad because no one did this for me. I do appreciate, I remember, you know, I I was, my daughter, I could, my milk didn't come in um, for a while, so she had to be on formula and then she rejected me. And that was another thing, right? And I remember someone coming over, a a woman who had a, a daughter and sitting with me in the nursery and trying to walk me through what breastfeeding, you know, and you're doing your best. And I remember just really appreciating that support because it wasn't judgmental. And it was like, girl, this is hard. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what you're dealing with with this baby. She's a hard baby. (laughs) You know, and it was – there was a a sense of support that I think was so important. One of the the things I'm curious about, though, is because I feel like the first two years – after you have a child, like there's, it's, it's, it's hard to frame normalcy because the sleep deprivation as well, like people don't realize how serious sleep deprivation affects you. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would assume that the matrescence, like that's actually like an ongoing thing, depending on the stage of your child's development, where they are in life. And, and as your, your parenting style starts to grow and change, would that encompass all of that? Yes. And that's what I love about this so much. I have to say, for me personally, I'm most fascinated about after that first two years. I know that there's phenomenal changes that you referred to um, around even about your physical health and your hormones and all of that. It's like there's a beautiful um, expert, one of the only other people talking about matrescence, Dr. Alexandra Sachs, says it's as if we, when we look at a teenager and all the things that their body goes through, 
we understand and we tell them so they don't feel scared or overwhelmed or mm -hmm. rejected by what's happening to their body. The same hormonal changes happen. That level of changes happen to a woman when she's pregnant and breastfeeding and postpartum. And yet we don't tell her anything. So imagine telling, imagine not explaining to a teenager what's happening to their body. Mm. That's what we're doing to women. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important. But me personally, I love the conversation about what continues to happen to you past that because I think that's the area where the gold is. You know, your book about how to look at the law that you're maybe unconsciously carrying inside you, that's when the really beautiful work happens with matrescence, I feel. It's when you get past that sleep deprivation, past the baby stage. So many of us hang on in that first year or two thinking, it'll be better when she sleeps, it'll be better when she sleeps, it'll be right. better when she sleeps. And guess what, she sleeps and you finally get some sleep and you wake up and think, oh my gosh, it's still like this. I, I still, I, now I have to go back to work. Now I have to pretend that I'm the same as I used to be where I have changed on every single level. The things I wanted to do with my life aren't the same anymore. I don't even know how I feel about my partner anymore. Uh, suddenly things that I used to care about don't seem so important anymore. That's when the really beautiful becoming happens, I think. Mm. That's when we that's when we redefine our identity. I love that because I think that's I mean, my daughter made me a better woman and human being. I mean, that's when, you know, the, she's the cause of my book. She like exactly like you said, um it's it's realizing who you are as an individual and who you're becoming. And I think also as much as, you know, we spend so much time talking about parenting from like, okay, how to raise great conscious children, right? Mm -hmm. Flip that and look at the mother and what she's learning about herself and who she's coming into. It's kind of like where the oracle and the wise woman is are, are born. Exactly. Because she suddenly has a different viewpoint. And when you are responsible for the worldview and you are responsible for keeping someone alive, which is what I called her for a while. I'm like, I've kept her alive because <laughs> I was afraid of her at first. Mm -hmm. um, there is something really beautiful about that. I think that that's where the, the, the woman kind of starts to say, okay, is this what I believe about myself, um, about who I am in relationship, about all of those things. And that was absolutely my birth was, was the time after she was born. Um, it was very difficult um, that entire period of time, but it's where I started to kind of come into my own. And I remember someone, you know, welcoming me to this club after my daughter was born saying, welcome to the club. It's, it's almost like you've moved into a different dimension. <laughs> like your yes. life before, as you knew it is, is no longer, and you will understand things from a very different perspective at this point in time forward. Wow. What a beautiful blessing to have someone say that to you. I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my Gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. 
through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching. Live will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Join the movement. <laughs> like your life before as you knew it is, is no longer. And you will understand things from a very different perspective at this point in time forward. Wow. What a beautiful blessing to have someone say that to you. Because I think that's that's what we're needing. I, I get so excited about this because I feel like we are on the edge of completely redefining what it means to be a mother and a woman. Finally, finally, we're going to stop talking about it in the sense of how she mothers. Mm. We're going to move away from this idea of helicopter parenting or attachment parenting and all of these different lenses that we put on the act of mothering and shift it back to her and make sure that she has this sense of self. Our children need us mm. to do this work on ourselves. They don't need us to figure out whether we're an attachment parent or whether we're going to do this way or that way or have them in the bed with us or not. That is secondary. The number one thing our children need us to do is fall in love with ourselves to sound completely corny. No, it doesn't. But, to, it's, it's <laughs> you know, but you know perfect. what I mean? Yes. Yes. We, we need to show them how to forgive ourselves, how to honor ourselves, how to truly uh, apologize when we make mistakes. We need, they need us to see that we are figuring out who we are on a daily basis and honoring that first because otherwise we're going to have another generation of women burnt out, sick, chasing dreams that aren't even theirs anymore, not questioning things. Like it has to stop. We have, I get so passionate about this because I've had literally over 4,000 women go through my programs and I've seen it over and over again that we have women who are sick and unhappy and burnt out because they're chasing this dream, this ideal of who they should be, mm. when in fact they're in the middle of the most beautiful opportunity to redefine themselves because that is what matrescence does. It pushes you to question these things. If you ignore it, you'll get burnt out like I did. But if you lean into it, and surround yourself by these beautiful questions and these beautiful women who are in the same place at the same time, you will completely redefine yourself like you have and like I have. It is such a great opportunity. 
Oh, I love that so much because, and I was actually, I gave a speech this past weekend and I was talking about, I was talking to a group of Girl Scout leaders, the troop mothers. And one of the things I was talking about is like the definition of mentor versus parent. If you look in the dictionary, parent is just someone who begets or brings forth offspring. But um, mentor is a trusted counselor or guide. And Mm. I've had so many beautiful conversations with people when I asked them about their relationship with their mother and they didn't talk about being parented. They didn't talk about being in trouble. They talked about modeled behavior. Their mother loved herself, respected herself. And the modeled behavior and the unconscious mentorship that they received by watching how their mother treated herself and her friendships and the relationship with um, their romantic partner were more profound than any type of conscious parenting or saying like, well, I believe in this. And I, I'm a proponent of conscious parenting and intentional living. But with that comes the you living intentionally, living an intentional life, making sure that the people that you're bringing around you and the way you're navigating life is a beautiful model for the little person who's soaking it up. Um, exactly. So no, I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I think I, it's a really gorgeous thing to kind of shift it off and and one of the things I would ask you because in the world of social media and advertising and digital media and marketing they are there for a reason and I believe that we can use them intentionally and with purpose um but I also know that they have lent towards this expectation of the right type of mom I've experienced it myself with these mommy groups who would invite me to come and spend time with them after my daughter was born they were stay-at-home moms I was a working mom we did things differently um and I felt a lot of shame because Mm -hmm. I had to leave my daughter with someone else or because I allowed her I remember one time going to a mommy group and all the moms had their children directly in front of them with their arms kind of around them. And they wouldn't let them touch each other for fear that they would get sick or get germs. And mm. my daughter is like, scoot. I had come, left work early, picked her up from the, the daycare at that point, and was letting her scoot around on the floor because she was learning how to pull herself up. And she was touching other kids. She fell on a lot of, another kid. And I got the dirtiest looks. And someone said, well, um, she hasn't. she's not up to speed on the way things like on current mom culture, I guess, because <sighs> because she has to work and because she has to work, she's forced to like let this happen. So now her daughter's basically they were saying my daughter was germy and likely going to die from falling on ceramic tile. And I was like, OK, but she's not sick <laughs> because she's being exposed to things and she's learning to pull herself up. So, yes, maybe because of the framework, but there was such mom shame happening. Because I think that we create this paradigm of the way motherhood should look. And I think I think all moms can be kind of jumped into that situation for the first couple of years until they're finally like, look, I'm I'm old shoe with this. My kids survived this long. I'm good. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. I think that social media can be this toxic playground if a woman is moving through this new identity without any support. Having said that, I have, as you probably have, I have built this community of women who are doing it differently through social media. So Mm -hmm. I think we can do both. But what I really want to say to that is that what I think is important to remember here is that we are women 
who aren't just trying to figure out what it means to be a mother in a bubble. We're doing it through the lens of generations of women trying to figure out who they are. Mm. This is why your book connected so much with me and my audience, because when we become a mum, we have these unspoken ideas about who we should be and what it should be like. And then when we go on social media, it's it's amplified. Mm -hmm. So we can't just change what's happening on social media. We also have to look at these laws, as you would say, this 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 generational idea. For example, so many women I speak to want to do it differently than their mum. They, they, they didn't get the experience they wanted from their own mother. And so they've come to motherhood with this very clear idea of what they should do and who they should be. Often those women are the hardest on themselves. They are they have such a high bar of expectation and perfectionism that they are losing themselves in a whole other way. And so social media perpetuates this idea of unless they're making everything from scratch, unless they give up their career, unless they're at home playing with Play-Doh 27, 24 hours a day, then they're not this great mother that they wanted to be. So as always, I think social media is something we need to be really careful of and please make sure that the feed that you look at is supporting you and not judging you. Mm. But also let's go a little bit broader and see what else you're carrying and why you, because I can look at images on social media and appreciate their beauty and not allow that to make me feel bad about myself. Yes. Isn't that an interesting like, shift when you get to that place? Yes, I, well, for that's me, because I've worked really hard yes. on myself and my identity and my self-judgment and that inner mean mama voice, I call it. So I think we can have this beautiful experience of looking at, you know, I like to say that when I see something on social media that is, is a stretch from where I am, I say to myself, thank you for showing me what's possible. Like I actually like to be inspired by what I see. But if I'm not in a good place, if that enemy mama is really loud and I'm beating myself up, then that response will be completely different. So again, we need to work on how a woman feels about herself. I love that. I um, I believe in consciously curating your feed, basically, making sure that what you're reading is inspiring, what you're seeing is helpful towards your growth. And if at any point in time you start to feel negative, you immediately unfollow without a second thought if I say and this was my internal languaging before I would look at fit moms and I would Mm. think I was supposed to be inspired by that like oh that's gonna help me get fit after having my daughter right like these moms are doing it and instead it became that perpetuation of comparison culture where I caught myself saying things like I wish I looked like that and I also did the deep work and have worked on myself and my messaging and um, started curating my feed there are some really beautiful fit mothers that still are in my feed because I'm so connected to their message and their heart that I, I realized that I had made the conscious shift a couple of months ago when this really beautiful woman showed up on my feed. And rather than me saying, I wish I looked like that or feeling like, oh my God, I got to go to the gym. My first thought was like, wow, she's really beautiful. Good for her. And it yes. wasn't, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did the thing. And I think that's what we have to do just across the board is make sure that we're standing within what feeds our soul as women um, and that we're not 
creating that comparison talk within ourselves, whether it's with moms or body image or food or parenting or whatever that looks like. It's really consciously creating your own mental models um, so that you're the healthiest healthiest version of yourself at all times. I just, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a great example for for our kids as well, for them to see us being lifted up by things and not seeing us backbiting or gossiping or comparing, but rather looking to other girls as their friends as opposed to their rivals. Because I also think that that's very important. Um, oh, yes. I, I'm right now where I have, I'm blending a family. So I have two eight-year-olds, my daughter and my, my partner's daughter, both eight. And we're starting to see that whole kind of jealousy comparison thing play out. And so we're having to really consciously pay attention um, even the way we talk to each other and to our friends and talk about our friends behind our friends' backs <laughs> mm-hmm. to make sure we're modeling healthy friendships and relationships. Um, and it's a great example of like what you have to do internally, right? Exactly. That's right. And this is, again, back to that conversation we had earlier about this is the most important thing our children need us to do. Mm-hmm. They need us to figure out how to stop comparing ourselves and stop judging stop judging ourselves they pick up on how we feel about ourselves Mm. they know they know they feel whether we're beating ourselves up whether we're proud of ourselves whether we've forgiven ourselves for something that happened they know this is what we're here to do for them is change that so that the future generations aren't aren't so toxic towards themselves Yes. No, I agree wholeheartedly. 100. It's like my platform is based on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. We get along so I well. I know. Like we just immediately connected. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. And you've, you've read my book and you know so much about um, what I believe in. And I want to ask you, based on everything that's happened, if you look back at a younger version of yourself, what does she look like and what advice would you give her based on where you are now? Oh, this makes me emotional when I think of her because she was trying so hard to be a good girl. Oh, my goodness. Uh, She was born trying to understand her place and what the rules were. She was a rule follower and she was certain that if she just did a few things, followed followed the rules, then everything would be okay. And she did follow the rules and it wasn't. So I want to say to her that the only rule you need to follow is figure out what your personal rules are, that don't listen to everybody else's and be kind to yourself Mm. and shift the focus away from what other people say you should do and who you should be and what they think of you and start to find who you really are. I really would love her to just breathe out and let go and stop trying to prove herself to everybody. I love that. I love that. It's beautiful. And I love it when, like, you can see how nurturing people get when they, like, look back to their younger self. Um, Mm. It's such a beautiful dynamic. If you were leaving this earth and you wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, your legacy, what would it be? Yeah, it would be my legacy, I hope, is the awareness of matrescence. Mm. I truly believe it is my purpose to have these conversations and to change the way women feel about themselves. 
I am absolutely here to help heal the mother. Ooh, to change that. the yeah, I, I got that in a in a meditation in a very special sacred place here in Australia. Once we um, travelled to the top of Australia in a place called the Northern Territory, Kakadu. If anyone wants to Google it, it is a very sacred Indigenous area, and we walked to the top of a very very high mountain. And uh, my mum, who had been there a number of times, took me over to this rock and said, Amy. This rock is where the Indigenous women used to climb to the top of the mountain when they were pregnant and when they were going into labour and the women would gather in this cave and this is where they would give birth. And I stood in this cave and, and put my hand on this rock and I had this overwhelming feeling that we needed to heal the mother. We needed to bring back this sacredness of women gathering around and talking about motherhood differently. And this is before I'd heard the word matrescence, by the way. Mm. I just knew that there was something here that this could be the most sacred becoming of a woman if we change this conversation. So I hope and pray that I'm going to help contribute to that change of healing the mother. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. I have to share with you, I had this really beautiful experience. Um, if you ever decide that you need to pilgrimage, <laughs> um, <laughs> there is this beautiful um, Benedictine Abbey in Montserrat outside of um, Barcelona. And it, I can't remember the name of it, but you can look it up. And it's, it's where the, the black Madonna, the divine feminine is, oh. is. And so w w my friends and I were um, on a, a European cruise or, and we stopped, we ended in Barcelona. We were spending four days in Barcelona. My friend who is an, a historian, he said like, hey, I, I want to go to Montserrat to this place. It's an abbey. And he knows I love to look at old buildings and churches. And I was like, I'm in, let's do it. And I hadn't done any research and you have to take this cable car up the mountain and it's a steep incline and it's this beautiful place where for thousands of years um, people within that order have pilgrimage to this place. Well, apparently not only do, um, do people within that order pilgrimage, but people from all over the world because we got there and there was a line of people lined up everywhere um, just to say a prayer before the Madonna, the Black Madonna, and it's just hundreds of people. And all of the artwork there was, um, there's a museum, and it was all in deference to the Divine Mother and the Divine Feminine and the mother-daughter, mother-son relationship. So not only was this beautiful picture of an aging Mary holding Jesus within one of the chapels, um, as she would have looked like as an older woman, not how we usually depict her, but there's also this museum that's attached that has all of these beautiful curated art exhibits um, highlighting the, the mother-child relationship and the importance of a mother. And you can just feel the honor that is there towards the woman and the feminine. And I was just so struck by this place um, and just the honor that you can see that's being given so why it's in the, the, the relationship to the feminine. So if you ever decide oh. that you need to go on another pilgrimage, you have to go there because it really hit me hard. And it was just such a really beautiful, um, a beautiful place, a beautiful spiritual place to, to honor the woman. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, that is now on the bucket list. <laughs> but that's, but that's exactly it. I think we need to honor this role completely differently mm -hmm. and if we do I truly think that we could change the world without being too grandiose about it 
I think that if we could change the way a woman feels about motherhood and herself, then we would really shift things and we would bring that divine feminine back in again. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, we're on the path together, sister. So we are. <laughs> thank you so much. If anyone wants to follow you or reach out to you to learn more about matrescence and your work, where can they find you? Happy Mama, which is H-A-P-P-Y-M-A-M-A.com.au. It's got the A-U at the end because obviously I'm Australian. So happymama.com.au or I'm on social media as Happy Mama with Amy. Thank you so much for sharing your goals with us today. I appreciate your spirit and you being on here with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I love Amy's reminder that matrescence continues as you grow as a mother and woman. She offers us the opportunity to see ourselves born as oracles and wise women because of our new lens and love her gorgeous path to healing and honoring the mother. You can find Amy at happymama.com.au or on Instagram at happymamawithamy. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.